If you're not prepared for it, an angry, red-faced Jesus running through the temple with a whip of cords in his hands is a bit unsettling. Especially if you're used to Sunday school pictures of the Savior found frolicking in the fields with the lambs. There's something about the temple cleansing scene that doesn't align with the usual airbrushed images of Jesus. Did Jesus lose control? Did he have an anger problem? Or was this merely the zeal of the Lord on display? Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? A passion for prayer consumed Jesus. Does it consume you? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. It's true that prayer is our way of communicating with God, but it's so much more than that. Hello, welcome into this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. Coming your way next, Ron kicks off his teaching series, The Jesus Way to Pray. And he begins with a touching story from the world of professional sports, one in which prayer and the passion behind it became a major part of the media narrative. We hope you can stay with us here, but if you're running short on time today, visit somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Jesus Way to Pray with Passion. Damar Hamlin plays uh, safety for the Buffalo Bills of the National Football League. You might have heard his name in the news uh, this week. On Monday night, the Bills were playing the Cincinnati Bengals. And um, at one point in the game, Damar Hamlin collapsed on the field. He went into cardiac arrest, this 24-year-old athlete. And of course, the medical teams rushed onto the field and uh, believe it or not, they, they performed CPR on his heart to, to restart his heart. We later learned not just once did they do that, but twice, they had to do it a second time as they rushed him to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center Hospital. And uh, of course, this stunned um, fans and players alike. Um, and we've been, been watching this unfold paying attention to his status. Uh, for days, he's been in the ICU under critical condition. Even more impressive than the response of the medical professionals, and that was impressive enough, but what was even more impressive was the response of the, the fans and the players. Everybody started praying, including both teams. They encircled uh, DeMar Hamlin and, and, and they dropped to one knee. And everybody started praying. Realizing the seriousness of the injury, some of the players began sobbing and then did the one thing and the only thing that their desperate heart knew to do in that moment, and that was to pray, to pray. You know, prayer, prayer at its basicness is communication with God. But in another sense, prayer is our declaration of dependence 
upon God. Let me say that again. Prayer is a declaration of dependence on God. When all else fails, we pray, right? However, prayer should be our first impulse, not the last, but last resort praying works too. Even atheists pray in the foxhole, especially when the bullets are flying over their head. And when Damar Hamlin, this 24-year-old athlete, lay on the field uh, this week, uh, players and fans and, and even some sports analysts embraced the power of prayer. They embraced the power of prayer at a time when some people in our culture and some people in the sports world are trying to silence prayer. No, we can't do that. We can't do that. I'm thinking of one high school coach who lost his job about a year ago because he... He led his players in prayer. Thankfully, the Supreme Court of the United States said, no, 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 you can't do that. Religious freedom reinstated his job. But somebody said this week, just like that, the NFL said, prayer is okay on the field. Just like that. It took the cardiac arrest of one of the players right on national television to alert us once again to our need for prayer and the power of prayer. The last time I counted, I have 38 books in my personal and pastoral library on the subject of prayer. That doesn't mean I'm an expert on prayer, far from it. What it means is there are a lot of books published on the subject of prayer, and I can't resist buying them. I just keep buying them and buying them and buying them, much to the chagrin of my wife who sees the books piling up in different places in my home and in my office. Uh, one of the uh, most recent books that I bought on prayer was written by Tim Keller, the pastor and uh, New York Times bestselling author. In his book, Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God, Tim Keller says, prayer is one of the most common phenomena of life. He goes on to say, in the great monotheistic religions of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, prayer is at the heart of what it means to believe. Muslims are called to pray five times a day, while Jews have traditionally prayed three times a day. Each branch of the Christian church is saturated with various traditions of common prayer, private prayer, and pastoral prayer. Prayer is not limited to monotheistic religions, he says. Buddhists use prayer wheels. Hindus may pray for help and peace in the world to any of uh, several gods, even hundreds of gods in Hinduism. People in other cultures, such as the Beaver Indians of Southwest Canada and the Papago Indians of the U.S. Southwest, pray through singing. He says their poetry and music serve as prayers that unite uh, the spiritual and physical realms. Well, prayer, as Keller says, might be one of the most uh, uh, common phenomena of life, but you look a little bit closer and it may not be common enough in most of our churches. According to an article written and published in USA Today, Souter Manufacturing, which is the largest uh, American-based manufacturer of church pews. Souter Manufacturing says that 80% of church pews that are ordered do not have the prayer kneeler. Now, what does that say about the place and priority of prayer in our churches today? Generations ago, you would go to church, you would sit in a pew, and there was a kneeler there. Why? Because we, we knelt in prayer in church. Where has that gone? I'm asking us as a congregation, I'm asking us as a pastoral staff, where is the place 
and the priority of prayer in our churches today. As Christians, we often talk about prayer as one of the most important spiritual disciplines if we're serious followers of Jesus Christ, and that is certainly true. But effective prayer is born of passion, not of habit. If it's just a discipline, if it's just a habit, it becomes rote, it becomes boring, it becomes, well, we end up down the road in a prayerlessness state, not only as a church, but also as individual believers. E.M. Bounds was a well-known preacher and a man of prayer from a previous generation. And he had this in mind when he said, prayer ought to enter into the spiritual habits, but it ceases to be prayer when it is carried on by habit only. Desire gives fervor to prayer. He says the soul cannot be listless when some great desire fixes and inflames it. Strong desires make strong prayers. He goes on to say the neglect of prayer, listen to this, the neglect of prayer is the fearful token of dead spiritual desires. The soul has turned away from God when desire after him no longer presses it into the closet. And there can be no true prayer without desire, passion, fervency, the kind of earnestness in prayer that we see illustrated, well, in a man named Elijah in the Old Testament. Uh, when passion boils over into prayer, God hears the prayers of his people and he goes to work. And this was true in the life of Elijah who prayed fervently. And according to uh, James in the New Testament, <laughs> Elijah's prayers got results. James chapter five, verses 17 and 18, James says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. These days I read uh, these verses from James with a little bit of a smile on my face, and I think of all the climate activists were protesting here and legislating there. Did they ever consider prayer to change the climate? That's all Elijah did. Elijah prayed and he changed and influenced the weather forecast of all things. Of course, James is not trying to make a, a, a climate change point and Elijah wasn't either. But Elijah prayed with red hot fervency there was earnestness, there was desire, there was passion in his praying. Now, we might be uh, tempted to kind of write this off as, well, Elijah was one of those super saints in the Bible. And we might be tempted to do that to excuse our own prayerlessness. You know, I'm, I'm not Elijah, I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll get into heaven just on by the skin of my teeth here and by the grace of God, but I'm not an Elijah. James doesn't let us do that. James says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, Elijah the prophet was an ordinary man through whom God did extraordinary things. And uh, Elijah was that ordinary man whose passions were inflamed by God's agenda and nothing else. Where are the Elijahs today? May we all be, become stricken with this passion and this fervency and this earnestness in our prayer life.
Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Jesus Way to Pray with Passion. In case you're new to the program, we'd like you to know that we archive all of Ron's messages at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share the good news of Jesus Christ with a growing audience. Join the 828 Club from our website or give us a call at 757-276-1099. That's 757-276-1099. Jesus did more than teach us to pray. He showed us how to pray with passion. With the second half of today's Something Good radio message, The Jesus Way to Pray with Passion, here once again is Dr. Ron Jones. Aristotle was a philosopher. He wasn't a clergyman. And Aristotle, as a Greek philosopher, was not so concerned about prayer as he was persuasion. He taught his students how speakers persuade their audiences. I remember learning about this when I was in seminary in my preaching classes and even earlier than that uh, in uh, speaking classes that I took in college. Aristotle said that that persuading an audience is kind of like a three-legged stool. It takes three things. It takes logos, ethos, and pathos. Those are Greek words. Logos refers to the speaker's words and his content. Uh, ethos refers to his ethic or his character. So you've got logos, the words, flowing through somebody who is a person of ethics and character. In other words, he, he lives out or tries to live out the best he can what he is saying. But he says that's not enough. The third leg in that three-legged stool after logos and ethos is pathos, and that's passion. You take any one of those three legs out, And and Aristotle says, you won't persuade your audience as well. Imagine a speaker with passion, but he really didn't have much to say, didn't have content, didn't have words, you know, that have meaning to them. Or his life is not in order, and ethics make it crumble. Or he has great content, great words, even an ethical life through which it flows, but there's no passion. Where's the passion? Well, what's true in persuading people is also true in prayer. The right words alone are not enough to engage the heart of God, logos. Even if those words flow through an ethical life, ethos, God wants to hear and to feel the passion in our soul as we knock on heaven's door and say, God, there's a 24-year-old athlete here who's in cardiac arrest. You could just feel the passion in that moment on the NFL field. It even came through an ESPN analyst named Dan Orlovsky. Did you hear about this? He just stopped in the middle of an NFL live broadcast and said, I just feel led to pray. He bowed his head, closed his eyes, and led the television audience in prayer on behalf of DeMar Hamlin. Who does that? That's passion, desperation, bubbling up inside uh, a human heart. Now, nobody displayed a greater passion for prayer than Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, The four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
show us how prayer was a, a vital aspect of the Savior's life and ministry. And in your notes, I, I bullet pointed some of the different uh, times and places that Jesus prayed. It's just all throughout the Gospels. For example, Jesus prayed early in the morning. I love the little glimpse that Mark chapter 1 and verse 35 gives us. It says very simply that Jesus got up early in the morning and went away to a lonely place and he prayed. Yeah, before his day started, before the crowds started pressing in on him, before his cell phone began ringing and pinging and grabbing his attention, he went off to a place where nobody could bother him and he prayed. An indication even Jesus knew, I can't start my day answering all that's getting thrown at me throughout the day until I first have a conversation with my, my Father in heaven. Uh, he prayed while under stress. The Garden of Gethsemane, do you remember that? When stress was so powerfully uh, flowing through his human body, that one of the gospel writers said he sweat drops of blood. That's a medical condition known as hematidrosis, that when stress uh, comes upon the body, the, the capillaries just under the skin begin to break down and it mixes in with your sweat and it, you're sweating drops of blood. He prayed during his baptism. He prayed before eating, before taking a meal. In John 17, he prayed for his disciples. We're gonna be studying the, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. It's called the Lord's Prayer, we call it that. It's really a model prayer. Uh, some people like to call John 17 the real Lord's Prayer. It's really the high priestly prayer of Jesus. If you want to ascend prayer mountain and hear Jesus pray for you and for the disciples in all the ages, read John chapter 17. He prayed when he was alone and with his disciples. He prayed um, before a major decision in his ministry. That major decision being the time he chose his disciples, chose his leadership, the leadership he would train for three years to carry on the gospel to the ends of the earth. The Bible says Jesus prayed all night long. Father, is it Peter? Hey, what about this guy named Bartholomew over here? Lord, um, I, I think James and John would you confirm that? He prayed for his disciples before he actually chose them. And then he prayed when he was weary on a mountaintop. And of course, I've already alluded to it, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. They, they came to him one day and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, they didn't say, teach us to teach, even though he was a master teacher. They didn't say, teach us to, hey, teach us to do the, that miracle thing you do. That would really be cool if we could do that too. Now, there was something about his prayer life that caught their attention and that highlighted something that was missing in their own communication with the Father. And they said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? I remember when I was in seminary, I, I, I almost majored in professors. A seminary I attended uh, had some, just some rock star theological professors. They were the ones writing all the books and influencing my heart and many others. One of those professors was Dr. Howard Hendricks. I took every course Dr. Hendricks taught. I took all the required courses and I looked up in the catalog all of the electives I could take. I majored in Dr. Hendricks. 
I remember one of his classes, and it was pretty much true in all of his classes, Dr. Hendricks would start the class this way. For the next hour, here's your assignment. <laughs> he wouldn't write it on the board. It wasn't in the syllabus. You had to be there at the start of class. Because he was going to say it once, and he made clear at the beginning of the semester, don't come up to me after class and say, oh, prof, I, I couldn't get there on time. Could you tell me what the assignment is? Go talk to one of your classmates, he would say. So you'd get there early. For the next hour, here's the assignment. Have it turned in next time. You'd write it down. But as time went on, I also learned I wanted to be there because the next thing Prof would do is he would pray. And what I appreciated about Prof's praying for us was um, it, it came across not in a showmanship way. That wasn't Prof at all. But what we heard was a man who had previously been spending time in the presence of God and the way he communicated and had conversation with the Father on behalf of his students in our class time. I wanted some of that. How, how do you get there? God tells us in His Word to pray without ceasing. And when God became flesh, He modeled that lifestyle for us. Let's be diligent to follow in His steps and to develop a greater passion for prayer than ever before. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, The Jesus Way to Pray with Passion, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, take a look at a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. Look for Something Good courses at the top of the homepage. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. When you partner with us here at Something Good, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jones' full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. To join the 828 Club today, please visit our website, somethinggoodradio.org, and look for the Partners tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org, or call 757-276-1099.
If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation today, Ron would love to send you his book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volumes 1 and 2 can be yours by request when you invest $50 or more into the media ministry of Something Good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get unlimited access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. For more information, visit somethinggoodradio.org. We're going to dive deeply into every phrase in this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And, but we have to begin with passion, a passion for prayer. It's time we return the house of God to its primary purpose to be a place where people from all nations, from all segments of our community and our neighborhoods and our society, where all ethnicities can come to worship God and to pray. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, The Jesus Way to Pray with Passion. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.